International business people mostly come to China for profits, opportunities and an exotic experience. But one of them wanted to discover more. A British investor, he has not only learned the Chinese language well, but grasped the skill to translate ancient Chinese poems into English. What's his story and what can he share with us after publishing three books on China? Welcome to The Point with me, Li Xin, coming to you from Beijing. Let's meet Tim Klesselt, who is author of three books about China already, two of them being Mr. China and the other Cloud Chamber. He's also director of uh, two investment trusts that are listed on the London Stock Exchange. And there is more. If you read his biography, he studied physics and theoretical physics at Cambridge University. <laughs> so, Tim, welcome to The Point. It's great to have you, finally. And I have your book here. I have your book, Cloud Chamber. And this, this title itself is fascinating already because it's so poetic, right? Literally means cloud chamber, yun shi. But I understand it's also a physical term. Tell us about it. Okay, so uh, a cloud chamber is actually a, a relatively simple apparatus that was invented in the late 1800s, in fact. Um, but then much later on, it was actually used to study elementary particles that stream in from outside the solar system and come through into the atmosphere in the Earth. And the studying of the tracks in the cloud chambers gave um, Western scientists a new way of looking at the fundamental structure of matter. So I was, I was quite intrigued by that because there, there, I think there are certain parallels between the Chinese language and uh, ancient poetry and the most oh. modern science uh, of Western, because there's some, the, 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 the Chinese language to a foreigner, particularly in poetic form um, of, you know, in the medi medieval times, appears to us to be very, very uncertain and vague and and western science has always been struggling to find a kind of perfect explanation for everything yeah so yes. it seems Precision. as though they're like the opposite exactly so it seems like they're the exact opposite but the most modern theories of western science are all about uncertainty so the mm. foundation the founding principle of quantum physics is heisenberg's uncertainty principle so in the end, we both actually come back to the same idea that you can't really express things in a very, very um, certain way. And, I, and I, I, that just intrigued me, these two things that came together. Um, and I tried to talk, draw those together because when it comes to human emotions, which the um, ancient poets are expressing, I think we can all accept that those can never be expressed with complete precision. No. So it's quite a surprise that in the end, in the end, Western science, that spent 200 years trying to get great precision actually can't get great precision in the end either. That's just... <laughs> that's, just <laughs> that's just like... I'm sure, I'm sure, yeah, it, I'm it, sure it, it sounds like... Yeah. So, so what I'm really trying to do with this book is to illustrate that actually that there are some really basic things about people wherever they live in different civilizations that are the same. So, 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 so the emotions that are expressed in some of the um, poems, the ones that I've chosen, are instantly recognizable to a foreigner. Okay. And that, okay. was actually, that was actually the criteria. All right. You know, this is so fascinating. And um, I'm, I'm really treasuring it because 
I'm doing exactly what I think I'm doing exactly what you're trying to do is to help people in other culture understand Chinese Chinese culture and I find it very difficult because sometimes it's just in intranslatable if you know what I mean you know you can right. translate the word literally but you can't translate the, the picture the imagination the the, right. the scenario the feelings and there's just uh, so much of it right so so, so what, what my, my personal experience I, I lived in China for more than 20 years and when I came back to the UK my children could not continue their studies about China in the education system in the UK. Mm. And that to me seems like a really serious problem because the, the world is going through incredible changes where there's right. a huge shift. It's an yes. inevitable shift yes. of wealth and power and confidence from the West to the East. And we have to learn how to live together. Yes. So, so, so I, I felt that there was a you know, tremendous lack of understanding about China, particularly um, in, in the in the UK and that 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 worried me because there are two things about that mm. so the, the, in, in a nutshell I think that generally especially the leadership Chinese people understand more about us than we understand about the Chinese right so from from the foreigners perspective that's a problem because it gives Chinese a, a competitive advantage in this process it's actually a problem for chi the Chinese people as well because yes. if Foreigners don't understand the real intention motivations of Chinese people. That's a danger because they can misjudge an intention. Yeah, absolutely. So, so that, 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 that's why I'm so passionate about it. Because on both sides, we you know we have a very very urgent and pressing need to understand China. So as you know, in the West there are hawks and there are doves. Yes. Okay, so there are some people who think that China is like a terrible threat to us, mm. right? So in 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 Western society. There's only one thing that unites both the doves and the hawks about China, and that is we need to understand it better. Oh, that's good yeah, to so, know. Yes, that's very good to know. So, so what I was trying to do was to find poems that express things that are easy for foreigners to understand. So the first thing is that they're so ancient, right? Yes. So the foreigner generally will say, you know, I have no idea that these poems are written 1300 years ago. Mm. And then if but, you but, really but aren't, you, aren't, you, aren't you worried that it's useless to study something that's 1300 years old? Because so, 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 so that is the exact opposite. <laughs> that was the thing that I found so amazing because, because all the poems are about current problems, right? So uh, Liu Zhongyuan wrote a poem about the problems of excess logging on the environment, cutting down too many trees. The totally, totally current problem. <laughs> oh my goodness. Dufu was a refugee. Yeah. Uh, Bai Juyi wrote about tax Internally displaced. Okay. Yes. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Um, but but it's but it's still you know massive problem for Europe is the refugee problem and and True. and and Bai Juyi, uh, sorry and Dufu spent most of his life displaced. It's 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 a it's a bit like the more it changes the more it doesn't change, right? It's all it, what people say, under the sun, there is nothing new, especially when you have a 5,000. For European culture as well, you have extremely millennia-long civilization, so you have experienced all of these, and it's always so, so, good to revisit, yes. So, so, so I think there's a difference, and the difference is in the language, and that, that's something I find so intriguing about 
Chinese because it's a character-based language, obviously, yes. rather than a phonetic. Okay. Yes. So if if you take the, the the house that I live in is is about eight hundred and fifty years old, so there's a there's a document written about this area called the Doomsday Book, which is written in about ten eighty or something, okay. And and if, if I look at that document, I can't understand a word of it. It's because it's totally different because the phonetic and the sound changes, mm -hmm. right? But if you look at a piece of calligraphy, like there's a piece by Huang Tingjian, yeah, which Huang is Tingjian, exactly yeah. the same age, yeah. yeah, and it just starts. Right, so you can, I can see the waters of the Yellow River, so you immediately understand something is written a thousand years ago. It's continuous. Yes, so in other words, you can reach back and feel the thoughts of those people living a thousand years ago in a way that you can't do that with a phonetic language. I think that's very powerful. It's, it's, you know, it's very interesting that that you mentioned this because even for many Chinese, it gets lost from time to time and for instance uh, we forget that uh, our language sometimes are pictures themselves when people say you know oh the Chinese is so difficult to learn I say if a two-year-old can learn it you can learn it too you just have to learn it in, in, in the right way but anyway we've been talking about you know th these yeah. ideas and I have this book um, I we want to show people with examples because otherwise they don't know what we're talking about. Yeah. So, yes. yeah, so this one, um, we have decided that we, we will try to illustrate what we talk about and it's called Mai Tan Wen, the old man who sells charcoal. And this is, yeah. this is a good test of whether what you say just now is true because you say <laughs> these ancient wisdom can stand the test of time. Let, let, let's try that in just a moment, but let, let's first try to read this, read a few lines, read maybe one stanza of this, of this poem. Um, it was written by Bai Juyi from the Tang Dynasty. He lived from 772 uh, uh, CE to 846 CE, so that's uh, 1,300, something like that, yeah. years ago. Yeah. And it's about an old man who sells charcoal. Um, do you want to do the Chinese or the English well, half? Well, <laughs> well, I don't, uh, maybe you should do the Chinese. I think your Chinese is <laughs> somewhat better than mine. <laughs> um, let's, let's try. I mean, you translated this. Your, your Chinese must be good enough to, to go, go through four lines. How about that? Okay. Mai Tan Wan, Fa Xin Shao Tan, Nan Shan Zhong. The old man who sells charcoal cuts firewood, burns it up on Southern Hill. Grimmed with ash, face streaked with smoke from the fire, his gray hair grizzled, each finger inking black. What living can he make from this miserable fuel? The clothes on his back, the food in his mouth, so wretched, his coat so thin, yet anxious his fuel might lose value, he longs for icy weather. Mm. How was it? It was okay? Excellent. Thank you. Yours too, thank you. You managed to translate these four lines into these simple languages 
um, but you explained almost to the point as precisely as possible, <laughs> if I put it correctly. But, but, yeah. So, 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 so for me, this this poem and and the and the rest of it too um, conjures up an image, very strong visual image of mm -hmm. a, a very poor man. So there's a lot of colour in him, all of it black, because the charcoal is the important thing. Um, and 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 this man's terribly poor, yet. Even though he's poor and he's clothes are you know, freezing cold, and later on he sits down in some slush by the southern gate, melted snow because he's so exhausted. Mm. Even though he's in this pitiful state, mm. he still wants the weather to be colder because that means the price of his fuel will go up. So he's so desperate that he'll bear the pain of the ice. And 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 that to me is not only very visual, but it's also something that tells me that by Dewey understood the relationship between supply demand and price you know centuries well, true, before, centuries true. before yeah yeah centuries mm. before it was articulated in the west and I, I think that that's quite interesting as well and the harshness and the the to me what is struck what is strikes me is the emotional part being a woman probably yeah. the, <laughs> the difference between a physicist <laughs> and investment <laughs> <laughs> and me as a woman and a mother, I just feel the the emotions, the empathy he shares yeah. as a yes. as a poet. You know, he must not yeah. live a very bad life if he's able to, you know, observe people and write poems. But yet, what yeah. what he's trying to describe is the life of this old man who is really shivering, but still yeah. wishing for even icier weather. Yes. And and how so, do you, so, so, yes. Well, what, the, the thing that I particularly like about Baijiu is his simplicity of writing, but the fact that he came from a fairly poor family. So he will have known hardship. His father died when he was quite young. He will have known hardship. Mm. And then he became very successful and he was a ginger at the exams and a, you know, a fairly high level official and so on. Yes. But he never forgot the condition of the ordinary people. And that, that, that to me is tremendously important. I mean, that's, that's, I think that's the charm of, uh, of many of these poems, of many of these poets, that they're not just writing about beautiful scenery, about life being good, about, you know, uh, spring. They're writing about the grassroots, um, ordinary people's life. But one thing that strikes me here is also, um, because in, 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 in poems you have certain rules for instance you have to rhyme or you have to alliterate yeah. right uh in in english poems for instance you have alliteration if i remember correctly but here how do you how do you reconcile the content yeah. and the style between the chinese poems and the english poems right yeah. so um so, so it's very problematic because the Chinese language is much more information dense. Okay, so 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 for example, just one one um, example is su shi de shi. Yeah, that if you translate that into English, it's to stand on on a chariot. Yeah, it's to stand oh. on a chariot and salute. Right, but you can't write stand on a chariot and salute in one in one. You can't get the information into mm. into mm. one line. So you have to cut some information. So that involves decisions about cutting information, but keeping the main feelings. 
But I, I think one of the things that's most important about Chinese, this particular genre of Chinese uh, poetry is the rhythm. Mm -hmm. so it's very, very fixed rhythm. So you've got this wild imprecision of the real meaning, but it's captured within quite a rigid structure. So, Extremely you know, rigid. So, so, yeah. So, so, you know, if you have a five, um, you know, five characters, you know, it's um, one, two, one, two, three. So very, very rigid rhythm. Yeah. So, so, so I tried to try to convey the rhythm. And then if you can get it to rhyme as well, obviously that's fantastic. So out of the 70 poems I translated, I only got one to have the rhythm and the rhyme. It's very, very difficult. Yeah. Um, so, 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 so basically what, what I put first of all is the emotional connection and then the rhythm, and then if you can get some of the rhyme as well, that's a big bonus, but it's very, very difficult. It's extremely difficult. <laughs> but, you know, again, for someone who dares to take up this, car this, this endeavor and manages, because it's difficult to learn Chinese. Let me tell you this. Um, I was reading a survey about uh, what African people view as their preferred language for, to learn as a second language especially for young people. You know, how many percent prefer Chinese? Just take a wild guess. Right, so, right. In so comparison, I would say quite a lot. In comparison, right, to, in to, comparison to English, yeah. what would so, you so guess? I went, to e I, I went to Egypt recently, yeah. and uh, all the young hustlers, all, all the people outside the temples wanting to sell things, they all speak Chinese. Yeah, but, but they're the ones who so want so to cater to the Chinese tourists. Yes, of course, of course. No, but the point is such an interesting change because I went to Egypt 20 years ago and everybody mm. spoke English there. Now they okay. speak Chinese. That, that's a very important signal right. about the way the world is thinking. Well, if that is progress, I tell you, we have a very long way to go because the number, the statistic that I got was 3%. Really? Three, yeah. 3% surveyed across 34 African countries. And I wonder, you know, I wonder why. Um, Tim, you, can you share with them some tips as to where to start, how to start? Because you, you started uh, in your adult life, I'm, I'm sure, and you managed. Yes, I did. Yeah. Wow. So, um, right, so, so I, I firmly believe, and, and I hope I've done this with my own children, that you can only be good at something if you really love it. Yes. You know, you, you force yourself to do something like study, I don't know, accountancy or something because you'll get a you know, better career later on. Mm -hmm. But if you don't love it, you're never going to be any very good at it. Absolutely. So, 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 so for me, um, the, for, for, personally, my interest was the characters. So every time I see it, saw a character, I wanted to know what it meant. Um, so so I, I think that you have to put the language into the context so i mean chinese history is should be very very interesting to a foreigner because it's so wild it's so you know incredible ups and downs and struggles and it's very very <laughs> that's vivid. the first time i hear the the word wild <laughs> being used to to describe chinese history okay i like that yeah yeah, yeah no, no tremendous tremendous battles and struggles going True. on you know going uh, over millennia True. yeah and the you know rise and fall of dynasties but the same core still surviving totally different from our civilization so uh, you know our history is one civilization rising and then being replaced with another one right so china's is rising and falling being replaced by the same civilization by itself yeah 
but yeah, by itself, yeah. And I think that the thread that runs through it is the written language because the characters don't change, whereas you know our language in writing changes. So you know, if you have another civilization comes along, then everything that was written so by what the is civilization the... is finished. So what is the key to entering this world of the Chinese characters? How did you start? Right. So, so, I, so I, well, I, 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 it was a complete accident for me because I, I went to Hong Kong in 1987. And, and you know, I had, no, I had absolutely no idea about anything to do with China at all. Absolutely no idea. And I suddenly saw these characters, you know, this, like this completely different way of thinking. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Every, everything's totally different. And then I started reading. So, so, you know, if you read, um, you know, the, uh, history about, um, you know, about what happened to China in the 1800s, for example, it's really important for foreigners to understand that because you can't understand China's current situation unless yes. you know its recent history. You, yeah. you know, so I found that, so I found like peeling off the onion skins in my own language, yes. trying to understand why China was like it is that to me led me to the language because i thought right i want to know about this place and its history and its people and the only way i'm going to be able to do that is if i can try and prize open the language and there's some things remember that are very easy about chinese language for instance right? so there are no, no there are no tenses uh there are no possessives there's no genders there's no yeah, i mean there's no definite article or indefinite article you know, actually it's just like this big string of beautiful pictures yeah so so I, I i so the things that are difficult are the tones there's so many homophones right so the tones and the uh, and learning the characters but i one thing that i think is really uh makes it easier is if you so if you go into the countryside yeah and you just and say use your simplest, hands yeah no no but if you just say the simplest thing like uh, ni hao then people will say, wow, I need a jungle, no matter Yeah, so, so, so you get this positive feedback because it's quite, it's quite, you know, whereas I think if a Chinese comes to the UK and speaks quite good English, they'll never get this positive emotional feedback. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's, that, that's also quite rewarding. Tim, you know, I, 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 say, I say to people, China is how you treat it. China is how you treat it. But I do want to ask you, you study so many Chinese culture, poems. Is there anything that you think is not so good that needs to evolve with the time, with the Chinese culture? Because, you know, thousands of years, okay, very rich, very long, but things change after all. Do you, have, have you ever thought about, is there anything about this Chinese culture that maybe needs to change or modernize a little bit so that we can catch up. Um, you know, if I don't ask for this outfit, uh, I don't have it. <laughs> Not many people are wearing it these days. So when I first went to China in the 1980s, I, I sometimes thought that China wasn't completely open to new ideas. And, and, and that for any civilization is kind of the end of a cycle. That's partly the reason why I'm so worried about, you know, some of the Western thinking. There's a, there's kind of a certainty in the West that our system is just the best there is, and there's nothing that we can learn, which is mm. clearly not the case. So, so I think earlier on, but I'm not now, because the, the core, you know, the, the the core of Chinese the Chinese reform process is actually taking ideas from other places and then seeing if they work in a Chinese context and experimenting 
And then if it doesn't work, you quietly stop doing it without any particular announcement. Yeah. If it does work, you carry on and you, you know, you, you explore it. So to me, there isn't anything that stands out because I think, I, I think, I think what we have to do is try to f form some sort of model where you, where you think more globally about, about the problems that the, that, that we face as a, as a species. Mm without abandoning our differences but being more open-minded to learn yes. differences between yes. each other yes um so 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 i i, I there, there isn't there honestly isn't anything that instantly springs to mind look okay. we have different there are all sorts of differences right we can argue about yeah. all sorts of difficult political topics yeah yes. um but i think i think that the the, the core <clears throat> the core differences i think china is very practical Foreigners are more principle driven, and it's quite difficult to negotiate with someone if they're sticking to a set of principles. Mm. And I actually think that comes right back to the very beginning. So if you think of the core text of China and the core text of the West, you could argue what it would be, but you can say the core text in China is uh, Lunyu, the Analects of Confucius. The Analects, yes. The first lines are like, you know, um, uh, so it, what a pleasure it is to have friends from afar, right? Yeah. It's just something that every human being can understand. Whereas, you know, the, if you take the Western text, probably the Bible, yeah, um, you know, you can argue about what it would be. But that immediately starts with, you know, God creating the world and creating light, you know, bang, and everything's created. So it sets up a relationship between people and a deity in a different way. In a different way, yeah. The, the, the Chinese uh, philosophy and the Western philosophy definitely are different, but I think we definitely can both for, learn from each other and get better at the same time. And I think that's the richness of it, isn't it? Yeah, I totally yeah. agree. Totally yeah. agree. So, so it's really great what you're, what you're doing, and I, and I hope you will carry on doing that. Um, my last question may be, um, if you want to, if I want to ask you to choose one favorite line of poetry from your book, what would it be besides the Baiji poem, or or one that is the most challenging, the one that you like the okay, most? So, right. So, so that, okay. So it's quite um, that's a very difficult question. But there's one line that yes. I deliberately mistranslated actually, and it's a really line. why? Yeah. Right. So because 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 I wanted to get the the real feeling. The real okay. feeling rather than the words. Okay, so it's in um, uh, Lu Ye Shu Hai. Which one? So, Which um, page? It, so it's uh, three, 305. Okay, okay. so you know, it, fin it finishes it. Ning Chi Wen Zhang Zhu Guang Ying Lao Wing Xiao and so the last line, Tian Di Yi Shao, which literally means I'm just like a, a single gull between heaven and earth. So it's Du Fu, possibly the greatest poet who ever lived. Of course. Wor worrying, you know, worrying about whether he's had anything that is left after he dies. Yeah. So, 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 so he's got this image of a, um, a, a small bird between the sky and the earth. But I translated it slightly different, which is my whole life just bird tracks on sand. And I did that because sand is an image for Westerners about 
um, the passing of time and nothing being left. So there's a very famous poem called Ozymandias, which um, uses the image of a desert to to ju just say that, yeah, the tininess of an individual life mm. and one grain of sand in a huge desert. Mm. So that, that's why I, that, that's why, but, but it's the idea of Dufu, this, this incredible genius, mm -hmm. thinking about after, after he died, you know, he retired, and then, you know, what am I? I'm just floating around nothing. Wow. Have my poems not given me a name in this world, though I retire as I should, now I'm old, floating, floating, like what? I don't know, my whole life just bird tracks on sand yeah that is pretty powerful stuff from, yeah, very powerful. from 8th century 8th yeah. century thank you so much tim tim clissold author of mr china cloud chamber and one other book about china who's also director of uh, two investment trusts that are listed in the london stock exchange it's a great pleasure to have you on our show thank you and with that, we come to the end of this special edition of The Point with me, Lu Xin. As always, you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter using the handle Lu Xin in Beijing. On behalf of the whole team, thanks for watching and we've got the point. <laughs>